Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 20 today as we're in a series entitled Kingdom Come, and our prayer is this, that we would seek the kingdom of God at a greater measure, that we would seek it at a greater measure, that we would say, even as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. In fact, we've been over this this series, during this time, we've been making that our prayer. And so I want to invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. And Jesus taught us how to pray, and he said, whenever you pray, pray like this. And so we don't pray always in verbatim these words, but there are moments where we're we're reminded and, and we pray together in unison. But Jesus said specifically, your kingdom come your will be done. So would you pray this with me before we get into the word together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Let your kingdom come. You agree with that this morning? God, we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our lives. Matthew chapter 20 is where we're going to look today. This is one thing we know for certain about the kingdom of God, and that is this. The kingdom of God is nothing like the kingdom of this world. We know this for sure. In fact, I heard someone say one time that the kingdom of God is the world turned upside down. How many know that when you come to know Jesus, he turns your world around? He turns everything around, and I want to uh, look today and just how uh, the, the change and how it shifts and changes us, because the kingdom of God is not the kingdom of this world, nor is it my kingdom. That As I expand and grow in God's kingdom, it means that God wants to change some things about me, some things inside of me, and even change the way I think about me, think about others. And uh, this is one of those stories, a parable that Jesus gives, and uh, it's one of those stories that, to be quite honest with you, it's turned on its head a bit. Um, Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 20, starting verse 1, and uh, it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal wage that was set for them to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some more people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went out to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at 3 o'clock, the landowner did the same thing. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around doing nothing. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those who were hired first saw what they were getting, they assumed that they would receive even more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. 
didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as I paid you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm so kind to others? Or another translation says, is your eye evil? Do you have an evil perspective? Are you jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. I want to share today in uh, this, this idea, but I want you, before you see, to just look at your neighbor today and tell them this might, be, this might be tough to stomach. Just tell them that right now. Just as you're being seated, this might be tough to stomach. You may be seated this morning. This might be tough to stomach. Um, if you're taking notes today, and I hope that you are, if you're taking notes and uh, you want to write down a title, here's the title that I want to share from today, and it is this, all-inclusive. All-inclusive. Have you ever had that deal before? It's the deal where everything is included. It is an all-inclusive event, whatever it might be. There, there are individuals who have told me, they said, you would really love a cruise. And their reasoning for that, they follow it up with their sales pitch. They said, you would love a cruise because it's all-inclusive. You get everything for one price, and you can eat all you want. So I'm thinking, so your sales pitch and what you're trying to get to me is that I'm cheap, and because I'm cheap and because I like to eat, that the cruise is meant for me. And so I'd have to say, yeah, you had me with all you can eat. I mean, I'm in. I'm in. It's all inclusive. It's everything involved. And so you go on the trip, and, and along the journey, you find out that not only is everything included, but there's even things that you don't like that are also included. For instance... Why in the world do we need frog legs that taste like chicken if we already have chicken? Does this make sense to anybody? Hey, have you ever, ever, ever had a frog leg? No, I've not. They, and I said, they'll say, why? I said, well, I don't know if I like them. And they said, well, it tastes just like chicken. To which I say, then why do we need frog legs if we've already got chicken? And what is up with tofu that they just use to make it mimic something that already exists? I mean, if we already have the real deal, why do we need a pretend or a mimic or something to take its place? It just does not make sense to me. But it's still on the menu. And just because it's included doesn't mean I like everything that's included. In fact, I was out to, to eat uh, uh, this week at a lunch with Jim Skosik, my friend and I. We went to grab lunch together, and while we were having lunch together, someone behind us, at a table behind us, actually ordered liver and onions. I thought that's what mom made because she was too poor to buy real meat. I thought that's just what we had because it was not the worst thing that you want. You just got stuck with it. I didn't realize it's actually on a menu and someone picks it by choice. In fact, I said to Jim, I said, who in the world eats liver and onions? I didn't wait for his response just in case he did, so I left it at that. But my mind is thinking, who would even eat that stuff? Who would even want that kind of thing? I know someone in the room's like, but it's good. I'm thinking, just put ketchup on it. Okay, I don't need, I don't need something like that to enjoy ketchup. I mean, I enjoy it already. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And here's everything about being all-inclusive is wonderful and want, awesome and wonderful until it involves something I don't like. Until it involves something that doesn't sit well or agree with me. i got to be honest with you. This story that we just read does not sit well with me. And I don't think I'm the only one in the room today that when I look at this story, it doesn't sit well with me. I mean, here's what Jesus is telling us. The kingdom of heaven is like this. I know we already read the story, but I want to just give it to you today and 
hear what is really taking place because I don't think it'll sit well with you either. The landowner, he has opportunity to give a job to whoever he wants. It's his. It's his possession. And so he goes and finds workers to take care of his field. He goes out at 6 a.m. And at 6 a.m. he finds people who are willing to work. I don't know who in the world is willing to work at 6 a.m. But God bless you. I had one time, are there any 6 a.m.ers out there? You're just ready to go at 6 a.m. Someone said to me one time, he said, Pastor, why would you start a 5 o'clock service? We, could, we have more time in the morning. And they said, you should just do an earlier service. I said, well, we already have 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. They said, yeah, we could do 7 a.m. I said, I rebuke you. Get behind me, Satan. That is not even, what? who's showing up at 7 a.m. to do church? Someone in the room is like, I will. But he goes and he finds people at 6 a.m. to work. And so they come to his field. They punch in at 6 a.m. They start working. At 9 o'clock, the same landowner then goes out. It says he goes into the marketplace. He's doing business. While there, he finds people standing around. He said, hey, why are you standing around? He said, you need a job. Come on. He said, you can work in my vineyard. At 9 o'clock, they punch in. He goes then back again. The Bible says at 12 and at 3, he does the same thing. While he's in town, he finds people who are standing around and says, hey, I've got a job for you. You can come work at my vineyard. So they come, and he gives them the same thing. The first person at 6 o'clock, at 6 a.m., the the 6 a.m. early risers, where are you, the early risers? He says to you, I'll give you a day's wage. And then those who came a little later, how many show up a little later? You know who you are. You could hardly get here at 11 o'clock on time. I know you wouldn't go for a 7 (laughs) a.m. Those who showed up a little later, he he says to them, he says, I'll give you what is right. So the first, the 6 a.m., he says, I'll give you a day's wage. If you get a day's wage, you're doing well. You're, you're at least in a mid, middle class. You've got enough to make it. Things are well. If you're getting paid a full day's wage, you're in a good condition and a good place. He says to the 6 a.m.ers early in the morning, you come, I'll give you a full day's wage. He says to the others that come along, he says, I'll pay you what is right. He then goes back out at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. He shows up at 5 p.m. in the work or in the marketplace and he finds some more people standing around. He says, Hey, why are you standing around not doing anything? This is the only one that has a conversation. The 5 p.m.ers have a conversation with the landowner and they say back to him, Because no one has hired us. No one has given us an opportunity. No one has hired us. So we've not worked because no one has hired us. He then says, The landowner says, Well, hey, I've got a vineyard. I've got a place. So if you want to go and work in my vineyard, you go at it and I'll pay you what is right. That's 5 p.m. So you've got the 6 a.m.ers punching in at 6. You've got the 9 a.m. and then the 12 noon people who show up and then those who show up at 3 o'clock and then the 5 o'clock people all punch in and they're all working. It is now 6 o'clock and the landowner, the sound, the, the, the bell has, has sounded, the day is over. He calls them in. He says to the supervisor, bring them in and pay them. And he says, I want you to bring in the last first. I want you to pay, not just bring it, but I want you to pay the last people first. And so they're standing there, and as they're standing there, the 5 p.m.ers, the one who get in at 5 o'clock, and they work one hour. They show up at 5 p.m., the bell sounds at 6, they've now put in one hour of work, and while they're getting paid for their one hour, it says that the landowner then gave them a full day's wage for working one hour. The 6 a.m.ers, the early risers are on the side saying, you got to know this is our day. If they're getting a full day's wage, wait till we get what we deserve. Now they assumed they would get even more. How many have learned in life it's a dangerous thing to assume? 
It's a dangerous thing to assume something that you don't fully know or understand. They expected that they would get more. It's now their turn. I can't wait to see what we're going to get. We've been here all day. They worked one hour. They got that. We've been here for 12 hours. We put in a full day in the scorching heat. It's now turn their turn to get paid, and they get the exact same amount as the 5 p.m.ers. Guess what they did? They protested, and so would you. They protested and said, wait a minute, this doesn't sit well with us. We've been working for 12 hours. They only worked one hour, and you're giving us the same amount because of the time and what we put in. This isn't fair. The landowner says, hey, isn't it my money? Didn't I say I would give you a day's wage? Have I been unfair to you? I gave you what I said I would give you. It's my money to give to whoever I want and to handle. Are you mad at me because I'm a generous person? And then he says, the first will be last, and the last will be first. End of story. That's great. Wonderful story. Go home. Everything's good. No, it's not. I don't like this. Now, I know we could sum this all up and say, here's the the point of the story. And the point of the story is this, that it doesn't matter how hard you work because grace is not something you can work for. It's the ultimate love and wonderful grace of God that he gives us. How many are thankful for the grace of God? We could tell that story. And that is what it is. Jesus is pointing out and saying, you don't receive grace based on your merit. It's not how hard you work. It's not how good you do things. It's not about you. Grace is my goodness. Grace is my goodness. Whether you've worked 12 hours in the heat or you just came in for one hour, my grace is available to all. We could leave it at that. That is the story. That's what it's all about. But there's some key things that Jesus makes a point, and I believe we've got to address because he makes a point to say two things in here. I think there are two things that that stand out and make this story some specific detail. I tend to believe that if Jesus put details in the story, he meant for us to read the details. He meant for us to see what is in the story, and yes, the grace and all that is available to us. But it's not just what we receive from God, it's how we respond to one another. Here's the first thing I notice is in this story, and that is number one, he says to the people at 5 o'clock, why aren't you working? And the people at 5 o'clock who aren't working, their response is, no one has hired us. Do you know what happens when you get hired? You get hired because someone put value on you. And here are a group of people that is being marked and noted as someone did not put value on them. Someone did not see them worthy of hiring or giving an opportunity because no one hired them, no one put value on them. You have a job, someone hired you, and you might be thinking, yeah, and they're taking advantage of me. And I'm not getting what I deserve. And all of that, however that might be true, however that might pan out. But here's the reality. Someone saw value in you and you had something to contribute. Someone saw something of value and of worth. And because of that, they gave you an opportunity to work. Now here is a group of people that are seen as not having value. The other thing that he points out that that is specific in here is also he says this. He says, and when you call them in to pay them, pay the first person or pay the last person first and the first person last. Now, if you are trying to curb any issues that might rise up among the employees, and if you wanted to pay people a certain way, you would probably say, hey, I'll call you in one at a time so you'll make what they don't know you're making, and you won't know what they're making, and everything will be okay. But the landowner made it a point. Jesus said, no, I want you to bring in the last person first, and I want the first person to watch what the last person's getting. Oh, Do you realize it's uncomfortable now because the first person or the person who comes in first now watches that the last person gets paid more? And I think this this truth has to be addressed 
that we don't always like the way things go. And how many would have to admit and say, I love the fact that God's grace is amazing, but it still rises up in me. And I say, that's not fair. How many would agree and say, it's not fair, and oftentimes the things that are not fair is when someone is getting what I think they don't deserve, or worse, when someone's getting what I think I deserve. When they get the pay that I thought I was deserving, when they get the raise I thought I deserved, when they got the house, and why don't I have the house? Why do they have this, and I don't have this? Why do they have that marriage, and I don't have that kind of marriage? Why do they have that privilege, and I don't have that privilege? And we look at these things, and something rises up. And when something rises up, it pushes us to a place where we have to address what's rising up. They began to protest, and when they protested, they're protesting what it was that they didn't like. How many would be willing enough to admit that there's some things in life you just don't agree with and you don't like. I wouldn't agree to it either. You don't want to be called out like that. It's always good until it's something that doesn't agree with us. And here's what I know that each and every one of us have people in our lives and circumstances. There are people who are close to us and far away from us that there are individuals that we just don't like. There's a bias in our world that we live in. And here's what a bias is. A bias is a preference that we have approval or disapproval for towards a circumstance and situation without, without having valid purpose except our own desire. That we don't have real purpose for it, it's just our preference. Our decision is not really a purpose, it's just my preference. And how many know we can often live life according to our preference? We prefer certain things above other things. And immediately, whenever we allow the things to divide, that I can automatically look at some people and think they're not like me, they don't look like me, they don't act like me, they don't think like me, they eat liver and onions, and I don't get it. Can I tell you this? That the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God is going to expand, if we're going to grow in the kingdom of God, we said the first week that the kingdom of God, in order for the kingdom of God to come, that we will not find what we're not looking for. Somebody say amen. If you're not looking for the kingdom of God, you're not going to find the kingdom of God. You're not going to find what you're not looking for. Last week, we said this, that we will not advance in what we're not anticipating. That we're not going to advance in the things of God if we're not anticipating and expecting the things of God. This week, I want to say this to us, we will not expand in what we're not willing to embrace. We will not expand in what we're not willing to embrace. There are some differences that we have. And the church has not always done good at being able to have conversations about things that we're different about. Now, when I say the church, I don't mean this church. I mean the church. I've grown up in church since I was two years old. I've been around church for a little bit. I love church. I love the local church. One of the things I've learned about the church is that we're good at knowing what we don't like, but we're not good at knowing why we don't like it. There have been people that I've watched come and go, again, not here, but in the church as a whole. People who have gone from either one church to another church. And even as a kid, I remember saying to dad one time, who dad was the pastor, I said, dad, I don't see so-and-so. Where have they been? And dad says, I don't know. I haven't heard from them. To which I grew up longer, or I grew up enough to know 
that there's some people that when they don't like something, they don't know how to have a conversation about what they don't like. They just separate themselves because they like liver and onions and there must be something wrong with them because if they like liver and onions and I don't like liver and onions, there might be something wrong with them. And so instead of understanding that person, I'd rather just go and do my own thing because I don't understand that person. I know it's going to get a little quiet in the room. I prepared myself all week for this. This is not going to be an amen sermon. This is going to be a tough-to-stomach sermon. It's going to be one of those that we're going to have to look in our hearts and evaluate and say, God, where's a bias that I've allowed to rise up in me? Because in order for the kingdom of God to expand, and I'll tell you this, the kingdom of God, I have a friend of mine in uh, Connellsville, uh, Pastor Brian Higby, he says this every time we're together. He says, if the kingdom of God is anything, and I believe it's everything, it is relational. It's relational. It's how we relate and how, how we allow the work of God to grow and relate to one another. That's the kingdom of God expanding. It's when we are in good relationships. So here's a question I want to ask us. How good are we at handling people who are different than we are? How good are we at addressing our differences with people who look different, act different, think different, and do differently than you and I? Because we would fool ourselves if we thought we agreed with everybody about everything all the time. But what we'd rather have is where everybody does what we agree with all the time. Because we agree that liver and onions are gross. And if someone doesn't agree with that, then there must be something wrong with that person. Now, I'm using that as an example or an illustration, but it crosses the line of so many things. I don't know what you need to address as your bias. The most obvious could be skin color. There becomes a bias because of people who are a different color than we are. But I don't really want to get into what you think about white privilege because I believe there is a privilege that exists, but the issue is deeper than skin. The issue is deeper than our skin because if you say white privilege, that means one thing to a group of people, and it segregates and alienates another. Bottom line is, there are issues and differences that we have, but it's not just even about the separation of color, because there, even within the groupings, there are white people who still have a bias against other white people. There are people, and I don't know what your bias could be. There's some people who don't like rich people. Because the rich people have what everybody else ought to have, and it's not right. It's not fair. I don't know what you're not right and you're not fair is. You might be at a place and you're in the middle class, and you realize that there are other people who get opportunities that you don't have because of certain systems and things that they have, that they have resources that don't come to you because you make too much money or you have too much stuff, that there becomes this separation, and all of a sudden we can have a bias, and we can... Act like it doesn't exist, but the truth of the matter, it does. And it's one of those things that when we learn to have the rightful conversations, that we can allow there to be an expansion and something to grow. Because here's the danger that we have. The danger is this, that we could consider in our mind that there's a certain group of people who don't deserve the grace of God. We would never want to say that. We would never want to say that. But when people don't think like me, act like me, and have my preferences then I think there's something wrong with you. You don't fight for the same cause I fight for, so what's wrong with you? You don't have the passion that I have, so what's wrong with you? 
You don't do what I think ought to be done. You don't think the way that I think. And there becomes this bias. Now, there's a, there's a, there, there's a difference. I know that we can have a bias, and we've got to understand what is right and wrong. But oftentimes, we think a bias is a matter of right and wrong without even having a chance and an opportunity to understand where the other person's coming from. This is a sign of ignorance when you know what you don't like, but you don't know why. Ignorance is when you know what you don't like, but you don't know why. I want to be a little vulnerable this morning and show some ignorance. Because every one of us live our life according to our circumstance and situation. And reality is only as real as what you've gone through. I remember hearing one time that um, the comment was made and whether it was on the news or someone else just reiterated and agreed with it, that racism was not a problem until we had a black president. That shows ignorance. The reason that shows ignorance is because all you're admitting is racism was not an issue in your circle. It was not a problem in your surrounding. But you don't know what it was over there. I know even now it's rising up in somebody, but, and this is the temptation of the kingdom of God inside of you, or what what the enemy wants to do, is to cause you to suppress that, to bring that to a place that says, no, I'm right for the way I think. This is a right and wrong thing. There are some things that I think in the kingdom or in the things of God, we've allowed to be a right and wrong, and it's not always a right or wrong. It's just you don't have all the facts. You don't have all the facts. I was with a group of pastors, and, and, um, these are friends of mine here in this, in this community, and I mean this. Um, and the reason I made them my friends is because I realized that the way I grew up in white suburbia in, outside of Gettysburg is different than the experience that these other pastors grew up in. I made it a point one day, I said, guys, I need to get together and I need to eat with you because I like food. And I said, I need you to teach me what I don't know. A number of years now, we get together, and in fact, I have a privilege this Tuesday to preach at Mount Olivet Baptist Church to celebrate with our, with our brothers and sisters there as they're opening the new church. And I, I'm excited. The Lord's given me a word to just, I believe, a prophetic word over that house of just greater things of what God is going to do. I'm excited for what we have in this community. But I remember in a conversation we're sitting there, and, and it's four of us, and I'm the only white preacher. And as I'm sitting there having lunch with them, they're making conversation, and one of them makes this comment and says about being pulled over by the police. And he says this, he says, every brother knows you don't reach for your wallet. I'm sitting there thinking, hey, it makes sense as you say it. But this brother didn't know it. Now, I know there's someone in the room like, come on, Jason, everybody knew that. You only know something and connect it to reality when you've had an experience. I never had the experience of needing to be concerned or having issue or thought. I've never had the experience. And even though there might be something we say is a right or wrong, I show myself foolish if I try to make a judgment without really understanding the circumstance and situation that surrounds it. The kingdom of God cannot expand according to my ignorance. 
it will only expand to a level that I'm willing to learn and have understanding. To which he, of course, shared and said, and I became vulnerable enough. I said, guys, I said, your experience is obviously different than mine. Because when my dad taught me how to drive, my dad just showed me how to turn on the, on the, the blinkers and how fast to go and to make sure. And if it came to ever getting pulled over by a cop, dad just said, hey, make sure you find a safe place to pull off so you're not blocking traffic. That's all my dad had to tell me. You know why? Because the experience of my life did not dictate or tell us that we needed any more information. But there becomes a whole different situation. Now, I know right now it's uneasy for somebody in the room. Right now it's a, I want to I argue this. I want to fight this. And I know you will. And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. To reject what your common response has always been. Because your common response will not allow you to brace anything new that God has for you. You'll remain in a bias. You'll remain in a kingdom about you rather than the one that is about him. Because the Bible says that in Revelation 7, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And you know what we try to interpret that in? As long as that nation, tribe, and tongue is... My nation, the way I talk, and the way I look at things. We have to admit it. We become foolish. Let me tell you how I know it works. Because in the missions, you know, if, you're, if you're new to church, just ignore some of this for a moment. But we've done foolish in missions over decades, and it's changing now. It's a change. Because what we've called missions is we've gone into some cultures, and the way we've done missions is we've tried to make their church look like our church. We've tried to make their culture look like our culture. We've tried to get them to do what we do. And what we're doing is we want you to conform to how we do church. How many know we miss the kingdom? How about we go over there and share the gospel and learn that maybe they have a freedom and a difference of how they're doing church that we could learn from them, that we don't know it all. We're not the supremacists who have it all together and in the right place. That have it all. And I know that is a difficult, uh, this will not be a politically correct sermon. I understand that. But our arrogance, the way we show our arrogance gets in the way. And we miss allowing the kingdom of God to expand. Because it doesn't look like us, act like us, think like us. And I want to challenge that today. I'm telling you today, this is not one of these sermons where we're all going to say, oh, that makes sense, and boy, I feel a lot better. No, you're going to walk out here saying, man, that's a tough one to stomach. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I like because I have to address that there's this bias that I have. That it's easier for me to pass judgment before I even know anybody's story. It's easy for me to say, well, why don't they just do this? Why don't they just make a, a, a different decision? Why don't they make the right choice and the right decision? We can say all of that, and all of that can be true, but here's the problem. I said that before I even got able to hear their story. I'm telling them what they ought to do before I even gave them value to hear them or to even hear what's going on in their life. I've already passed judgment in their life. And I don't know what your bias might be. I don't know what the bias might be. It can be a bias of within the races and other things that can be. I've heard comments before of different groups of people and what are they doing here? They have their own country. I know because 9-11 happened and we've got to protect and 
let me just tell you, there are laws for a reason, and the laws are meant to be obeyed. The Bible would not tell you to disobey the law. If there are laws, we have to obey the laws. That's foolishness. But at the same time, there are people who might be obeying the laws, and we're passing judgment just because of a stereotype or a way that they look or the way that they act or the things that they do, and we can easily allow that bias to come across, and instead of being people who have a different way and learning how to have a different way of looking at things. I've been conditioned. Can I tell you how I've been conditioned? <laughs> I asked God this week, how real to get, God? Just, let's just play on the surface, but I think the church ought to be the place where we get real. I even said, I don't know if I want to do this because we put this out on Facebook. And, but I grew up around grandfathers who had conversations and then people around me who had conversations that I was told to believe that biracial marriages are not of God. I was told to believe. Now, some of you like in the room, my, Jason, you had an ignorant life growing up. You really needed that I was told that this was not right, it was wrong. You know, all those things that can come and hold on to, but if not exposed to the light of God's glory, can keep you ignorant. I had a place where I recognized as I got older, hey, there are some things I don't like, but I don't have a good reason for why I don't like them, other than it doesn't sit well with me. Oh, so the kingdom of God is about me. Because if I don't like it, if I don't agree with it, I don't know how to talk about it and have conversation about it. I just know how to, if it doesn't go my way, then I'm going to go find another group. Which, by the way, if you ever have to leave this church, have a talk with one of the pastors before you do. That's not for us, that's for you. Because your immaturity just shows you haven't known how to grow in the things of God. That's not an indictment, that's just... Uh, I get surprised sometimes by people who are so spiritual <laughs> but don't know how to do biblical things that are practical sometimes. I'm like, wait a minute, you talk in tongues and you do what? And you, oh, that was just a superiority class thing for you to have that I do this. And so, step back, you're a little too real. I mean, just. Get... But we've got to guard because we don't know how to have conversations. I want to know and grow and learn. And there's some conversations we need to learn how to have. There's some things we need to learn how to address. Because here's what we do. We have unity and everything's working as long as what we don't agree about doesn't get addressed. If we don't agree about that, we're okay. Have you ever had someone in a conversation tell you, saying things like, well, everything was okay until you said something? That is the, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You, okay, so you really, let, let me get this straight. You really want me to believe that everything was okay until they said something. Come on. Like they just thought it up in the moment and they said it? No, it was not okay. But your thought is as long as you don't stir the water, as long as you don't make a fuss, as long as you don't address it, as long as we just suppress it and pretend like everything's okay, then we'll be okay. That's not called okay. That's called pretending to be okay. That's not the same. 
There's conversations we're going to have to have. And we've got to be the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, to learn how to have the tough conversations. We've got to learn how to have difficult conversations about stuff we don't like or we don't agree with or we don't understand. The Bible must always become the foundation. I don't want your opinion. I might need to know your story. But it's always going to come back to what does the Bible say. Let me give you just a couple things today as, as we need to allow conversations to take place. I know today the, the thought of this is it's just going to cause us to have some protest. And if you've got a protest that rise up in you, I'm not asking you who you are. I hope there's something in you that says, but I protest that. So did they. So do I. That's not fair. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in my world. And God says, but mine's different than yours. It doesn't fit in my understanding, but my understanding's higher than your understanding. It doesn't make sense in my worldview. Well, your worldview is not the world that created, the one that created the world. My worldview is the one that set everything in motion. It doesn't make sense to me. So I've got to allow this to be addressed. So I hope there's something in you that says, I want to protest so bad. I don't agree with what you're saying. And I want to push you to that place. Why? Because I want to cause strife? No, because I want you to go to a place that we're sometimes not willing to go. I want you to go to a place that you just pretend everything's okay. And as long as we don't have to address it. No, we have to address it. Whether it's in a marriage. My favorite is marriage counseling. Uh, there's a, when the husband sits on the couch and says, well, everything was all right until she said it wasn't. <laughs> That's not how that works, buddy. That's not how that, no, you, you got to address it. There's stuff. But listen. Listen, here's what I want, you to, I want you to hear today because we've got to get, if we're going to get to the heart of the issue, the heart of the issue is that we want the kingdom of God to expand inside of us. I already know what the enemy's trying to do right now. Can I call it out? The enemy already in the room is trying to convince people in the room that I'm saying something that is wrong and you're trying to critique and find something that doesn't line up and here's why you're doing that. Because as long as you can find one thing, little bit, whatever it is, if you can find something, then it'll cause you to feel justified to suppress what you're feeling and just keep going back the way everything is. Because the temptation of the enemy in your life to keep the kingdom from expanding is to make you feel like, no, your world was all fine the way it is. That your way of looking at things is all fine the way it is. I'm not saying that's everybody in the room, but I'm just calling out what I know the enemy is going to try and do. The enemy's going to try to get you to tear something apart that I'm saying, to critique or to say something or to, to put something in place that'll make this be a, nope, he's off on this point, and because he's off on this point, that makes all of this just go right back where it was. Why? Because it's uncomfortable to say, huh, I don't like that, but I've never addressed why I don't like it. So all I've done is carry a bias without carrying the kingdom. I've just carried mine opinion without allowing the truth. Let, let me give you these, these four things that if we're going to see an expansion. Here's number one. Number one, I need to hear their story. I need to hear their story. There's stuff that I don't know that I need to know what they know that I don't know. Because I can't make a judgment without hearing somebody's story. I can't say how a person ought to respond to a circumstance without ever being in that circumstance. You ever know what it was like or you know how it is that some people would say well if I were them I would respond to it this way guess what no you're, you're not them how do you really know you'd respond if you went through that tragedy if you went through that difficulty you went through that circumstance you have no idea 
Why? Because you've not experienced it. You've not been where they've been. And so we've got to be willing to hear other people's story. One of my favorite things I love, if we ever get a chance to sit down, I'm going to ask you, how did you come to know Jesus? How did you come to know Jesus? You know why? Because the way you came to know Jesus gives me a story that I don't have. Your story is different than my story. And I learned something. Because you know what my story is? How did you come to Jesus? Well, I was born into a house and my dad got saved and that's all I've ever known is to follow Jesus. And so I I don't have a story of I did this, I smoked that, I walked this, I did that. All I know is that Jesus became real in my life at a young age. And guess what? Not everybody has that story. Nor can I put myself in a place to say, bless the Lord, I never smoked anything. I am so holy. My story's not better than your story. My story might not be that God saved me off a death row. That's not my story. But my story isn't better than your story, and your story's not better than mine. It's not this this matter of of what we have, but I've got to hear your story. Do you know someone's story? You know that person you don't like? You don't even know their name. What? You don't even know their name. You don't even know where they came from. You don't even know what they walked through. You don't even know exactly everything they faced. And you know what? They don't know either. Because I realize that you're on this side and you've got your bias and they've got their bias. I'm not saying that your bias or their bias corrects the other. But I'm saying is somebody's got to make the move and it ought to be people of the kingdom. It ought to be people who belong to the kingdom of God. Somebody's got to break the move. Someone's got to break the ice and move into a place. I don't wait for them to come in. If you really know what a kingdom is, a kingdom doesn't sit down and say, well, we'll wait for somebody to invite us to come and take their land. No, I mean a kingdom that is forcefully advancing says, no, we've got the light, we've got the truth, and it's nothing for darkness, so here we go. Doesn't sit idly and say, well, when when we want to address it, we'll wait till you're good, we're ready, and you're happy. No, we're going to bring the light, because the light cannot stand in dark, or the darkness cannot stand in light. You've got to hear the story. Whose story today do you need to know? You might be here today and your bias is, you know, the people that are rich, they got everything. I'm left living in this house and they've got that. Do you know their story? Do you know what it cost them to get to where they are? Do you know what, how much time they had to put in? Do you know that maybe you're not willing to do what they did? That doesn't make anything better. It just means you're different. And so because you're different, you're going to have to understand you're different. They don't have just, they don't have always more privileges than you have. Sometimes there can be those privileges and things that set us, I realize there are realities in that. But the point is this, that no matter where we are, if we're people of the kingdom, we ought to give opportunity and give help and aid to other people to benefit because it's not all for me. It's to see other people advance. Let me give you number two. We've got to hear their story. Number two is we've got to hear their heart. Number two is we've got to understand our heart. I've got to understand why this is rising up in me. You know what I do because you've done it too. And something you see on TV you don't like, and there's a group of people that are doing something that you don't agree with. And before even understanding what they're doing, or why they're doing it, or where they're coming from, we immediately say, well, those people, they're doing this. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm making myself superior than other people. If you want to see the kingdom of God capped and not expand, it's let yourself think you're in the seat that knows it all. It's let yourself think that you're in some superior place but we've got to allow a, a, a reckoning in our hearts to understand 
that we're not better than anyone else and that we've got to allow the supremacy. My story is not better than anyone else's story. I'm not better than anyone else. No one is better than me. We're all one. In fact, here's number three. Number three is this, that we've got to tell, tell uh, our, our story, our one story, one heart. Communicate one heart. Here's the truth is that I need you and you need me. Your story gives me a better perspective. It's one heart. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and, and help us close this morning and identifying that we're one in Christ. Galatians tells us there, there's no, not Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. Do you hear that? Male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek, we are all one in Christ Jesus. God does not have a gender issue. He knew how he created us, man and woman, together in his own image. Man is not better than woman, and woman is not better than man. God created man to protect the woman, and the woman has her role, and the man has her role, or has his role. But God created us in his image. God is not confused in what he did. We're created in the image of God. And when we know our role, our place, that we can tell the story that we're one. We're a team. We're a team. No matter what your, what your nationality, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what it is, we are created by one God, one spirit, one Lord, one, one creator overall. Now let me say here as well, this does not mean that there is more than one way to heaven. There is still only one name under which men must be saved. There are some people who get scared right now, and here's your fear. Well, your fear, there's some people, and I've heard it before, because there have been others in the church who have been, been accused of this, where they're reaching out to the Muslims, and because they're reaching out to the Muslims, they're creating their own religion, and now they're blending Islam and Christianity together. Grow up in the Word and the Bible and the Spirit of God. They're not creating a new religion. They're bringing hope into a place that's lost because the reality is this. There is only one way unto heaven. And how will they know unless someone shares with them? How will they know unless they go? And what we do is we judge what's going on and we miss the heart of the kingdom needing to expand. We become better kingdom critics than we become kingdom carriers. We become better critics of the kingdom than we become the carriers of God's kingdom and the work that he's called us to. That we allow this to carry forth. But I want you to know, that hear this clear. There is only one name under heaven whereby you must be saved. Muslim or uh, uh, Buddha cannot save you. Muhammad cannot save you. There is no other name. And if you think that's hate speech, let me tell you, that is love speech. Because every other religion tells you to die for them. But there is only one God who said, no, I'll die for you. That is the greatest love that there ever is. That is not hate speech. That is love speech. That's not us saying we're better than. That's saying the one who knows you and gave value to your life has made a way for you. This is our story that I once was lost, but now I'm found. That the grace of God came and redeemed me. Here's the last point then. The last point is this, that we need to embrace God's heart. We've got to embrace God's heart. We've got to embrace the heart of God in this. There's some... There's some biases that I've got to let be addressed in my life so that I can embrace the heart of God to allow healing and allow myself to go further than I've gone before I don't know what your bias is you know what your bias is doing if we don't address it is it 
just causes us to segregate ourselves and, well, I don't like that person. I don't want to have that conversation. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not how the kingdom advances in our lives. If we're going to embrace what God wants, we're going to have to start looking differently and looking at things differently. Here's the part I want to close with. He said, is it wrong for me to do with what I want with my money? He said, why are you jealous because I'm so kind? Or another translation says, are your eyes evil? Are your eyes evil? Now, I want you to stop and ask yourself this question. The way that I'm looking at things, am I allowing evil that I'm looking at this at a place that is selfish, jealousy, whatever it might be, that I might have a wrong way of looking at something? He says if you're eyes are evil in another place. If your eyes are dark, your whole body will be dark. But if your eyes are bright, if you have light in your eyes, then it'll make the whole body light. It'll reveal truth. Here's what I want to ask us today. Are you willing to instead of looking at people who are not like you because they eat liver and onions, surely there's something wrong with people who eat liver and onions. Surely there's something with people who look that way, think that way, act that way. Because all I want to do is my bias and my point, my way of thinking. I want you to think like me. I want you to act like me. Can I tell you the weakest marriage to ever have is a marriage that tries to control one another to make them like each other. But to embrace the differences and the gift that God has made because you're different. If you were supposed to be the same, God would have made you the same. You're different. Embrace the differences. Quit thinking because someone's different than you that you're right and they're wrong. That's a big challenge and a big starting point. Would you agree with that? There's some of us in the room right now, there are people that we don't agree with. Quit thinking that you're all right and they're all wrong. And find out what's the difference. Find out what's going on. Hear the story. But we've got to honor people. And here's what honor means. And when we honor one another, it means to give value, to give weight to. Notice the reason the five o'clockers were standing around doing nothing. No one hired them. You know what? No one hired them. Because no one said, you don't fit in my group. You don't fit with me. You don't look like me. You don't fit in. And I wonder, instead of us judging a world that's around us, we need to become people who are prophetic. Not pathetic. Prophetic. To prophesy means to speak forth. Do you know what Paul said he wishes all of us would do? I wish that all of you would prophesy. Can I tell you how prophecy should begin in the kingdom of God? Instead of saying, I can't believe those people like liver and onions, 
we ought to start prophesying and saying, you know what, those people know something that I don't know, and God's going to use them to show and to lead and to help and to make. Now, I'm using liver and onions, of course, because I know whatever your bias is, that you might be looking at the people who dress like that, the people who live in that neighborhood, the people who are of that group, the people of that color, whatever that might be. Instead of labeling people the way the world labels people, we ought to label people the way the kingdom of God has designed people, the way the kingdom of God sees people, that I've got to add value. Do you know what happens when someone gives you value? It causes you to come to a higher place. Do you know what happens when I give my kids responsibility when they were younger? They learned how to rise to another level. If I ignored it, if I just ignored it, they stayed where they were. And I know some of you today, God's called me to come and share a word with you to help nudge you to another level. If you've got racism, let it die in Jesus' name. If you think you're better than someone else, slay it in Jesus' name. If you think your opinion is the most important opinion and no one else's opinion matters, slay it in Jesus' name. If your bias makes you ignorant of what you don't know, slay it in Jesus' name. Because even though I might not like it, doesn't mean God can't use it to help His kingdom advance and His work to be done in my life. Would you stand all across this room today? And we're going to ask God for grace. I don't know what your bias might be. I don't know that area today that you might need to look at and say, God, I need you to change the way that I'm looking at this. There's a group of people that you might be surrounded by that might be around maybe an area. God, I pray that you would help us today. Help us to not be ignorant, but Lord, help us to have the conversations that we need to have. Help us to be real. God, put us in real relationships with one another that we can be honest and true and we can allow our hearts to be exposed that your spirit might deal with us. Kingdom come. We want your kingdom to come. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in our life. This is our prayer today, God. God, I pray that we would know, Lord, today that black lives matter, white lives matter, Lord, every color, every area, every person. But God, before we think one matters more than the other, help us hear the story. Help us heal. Help us be the kingdom of God, advancing and expanding that your work might be accomplished. God, I pray that you would help us to reach more people who are not like us. God, help us to reach people, no matter where they are, what their story. And God, let us not cause them to be like us. Help us, help them to become more like Jesus. This is our desire. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Come on, would you tell them that today? God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. In my life, in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Amen and amen. 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 I know this morning, this is one of those messages that's not an altar call. It's not reserved in this moment. You're going to have to have conversation about this. You're going to have to connect with other people. You're going to have to talk about some things that in safe areas and allowing this to be processed and worked through that we might allow God to change us and embrace what he wants. Amen? Is that all right? I'm telling you what, th listen, this church and this county is going to lead the way of healing and reconciliation. We're on the front lines. We're not waiting for something to occur. We're going to be on the front lines ready for it. I want the kingdom, your kingdom come in Fayette County as it is in heaven. Lord, let your, help us to worship together. Help us to learn from one another. Help us to be the best community.
communicators there are on the planet, right here at Faith Assembly. Let us learn how to have conversation, how to talk, how to encourage, how to challenge, and how to heal. Amen? So I pray God's grace on you today. I pray God's grace to allow us to process what needs to be processed. And the worst advice or worst thing you could ever say is it wasn't an issue until you brought it up. It was an issue. And the Holy Spirit is nudging that today. And if it rose up to the top, find somebody to talk to. Let healing occur. Allow that to work in your life. And let's let the heart of God be carried out in our lives. Amen. Hey, thanks for being in church today. Have a blessed week. Look forward to seeing you next week as we continue with our prayer to see God's kingdom advance. God bless you.